This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive Insurance, where drivers who switch could save hundreds on car insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. When you think of older adults in love, what do you imagine? Maybe you see a couple who's been married for 30 years, or a widow or widower struggling to date after loss. How about a 64-year-old woman, twice divorced, stepping out of a limo in stilettos and a black corset dress? No? Well, if you tune into ABC's The Golden Bachelor, that's exactly what you'll see. For the first time in The Bachelor's 21-year history, all the contestants are over 60, and The Bachelor himself is 72. He posts his thirst traps in a leather-bound album. His DMs have postage. He gets the early bird special anytime he wants. If you call him, he'll answer the phone. He doesn't have gray hair. He has wisdom highlights. Florida wants to retire and move to him. He's Gary. And I'm your first golden bachelor. That was a promo for the series. The new season launched in September and is now coming to an end. Whether you're a fan of the franchise or not, the series is coming out at a time when many older Americans are single. Divorce rates among people 65 and older tripled between 1990 and 2021. That's according to a new analysis from the National Center for Family and Marriage Research at Bowling Green State University. And roughly half of women over 65 are single. That's according to a Pew Research study from 2020. In a society that often fails to embrace getting older, what's it like trying to find love later in life? And does The Golden Bachelor mark a turning point in how mature love is portrayed on TV, or is it just a blip on the screen? We'll get into those questions and a whole lot more after the break. I'm Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. Back with more in a moment. This message is brought to you by NPR sponsor, Progressive Insurance. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options within your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Amgen, a biotechnology pioneer leading the fight against the world's toughest diseases such as cancer, heart disease, asthma, and osteoporosis. In a new era of human health, Amgen continues to accelerate the pace of change, operating sustainably and drawing upon deep knowledge of science to push beyond what's known today. With each decade, they reliably deliver powerful new therapies to patients. Learn more at Amgen.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people across your business, providing intelligent tools to help remove frustration and supercharge productivity. And all of that is built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Learn more at servicenow.com slash AI for people. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Integrative Therapeutics, with vitamins and supplements previously available only through practitioners, including Cortisol Manager. Unlock your best self with clinician-curated supplements from Integrative Therapeutics, now on Amazon. 
Let's get to the discussion with our guests. Joining me in studio is Laura Stasi. She's the host of the podcast Dating While Gray. She's also the author of Romance Redux, Finding Love in Your Later Years. Laura, it's great to have you back. It's great to be here. Thank you. Also with us is Lauren Harris. She's an assistant professor of human development and family studies at the University of New Hampshire. Lauren, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you so much for having me. And Mary McNamara is with us. She's a culture columnist and critic for the LA Times. Mary, it's great to have you. Happy to be here. Here's a message we got from Noah. I am a card-carrying member of Bachelor Nation. I've seen every season. I'm really excited that uh, the Golden Bachelor is coming on. I think that it's a a nice transition. Uh, The premiere was fantastic, and I think that um, there's just a lot more heart to it than there is drama, and, and I appreciate that. Thanks for that message, Noah. Okay, Laura, for those who haven't watched the premiere of yes. The Golden Bachelor, briefly tell us what what happens in that first episode. Well, apparently it's just like a regular Bachelor episode. I confess I was not a Bachelor. I was not a member of Bachelor Nation <laughs> until last week. Um, but basically we have Golden Bachelor Gary, who's 72 and a widower. And the women are coming out one by one out of the limo. And some of them are doing some sticky stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like one woman showed up in a tracksuit, which turned out to be kind of a bomb because she did not get one of the roses. But they're basically introducing themselves to Gary and we're getting to see his first reaction to it. And then he has some time to talk with people. And then at the end, he actually got rid of, got rid of, that's a terrible thing to say. <laughs> they didn't get roses. He cut uh-huh. six women, which again, that surprised me. I thought it was a one at a time thing. But so he's narrowed the field pretty substantially, and we'll have to see what happens uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night. You were skeptical going into this. Why? I was skeptical because, um, well, first of all, we all heard that promo. It is extremely cheesy, and I would say it's ageist because why can't we just be normal people dating who happen to be older? And so I was concerned that it was going to be – that it was going to be kind of poking fun at older mm-hmm. people, like or that were exhibits in a zoo kind of a thing. Oh, look at these older people. <laughs> They're dating. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, ooh-hoo. And even one of the um, – I think it was on Instagram or one of the social media, one of the bachelorettes, a former bachelorette, described Gary as precious. And she meant that as a compliment, but I'm thinking, why are we describing an older man as precious? Why can't he just be – I don't know, funny, smart, inquisitive, or charming, or, you know, some other word that we wouldn't also use to describe a little baby. So that's why I was skeptical. And after watching the first episode? I have high hopes. I, (laughs) I, okay, here's, this is embarrassing, but when they showed the preview of episodes to come, Mm -hmm. I got chill bumps because it seems to me that it's going to be showing Older people having fun. Now, I Gary did cry a lot in the first episode, <laughs> which is to be expected. He had a traumatic loss. I mean, but and again, not to discount his pain and not to discount the trauma. However, I really hope he's going to go forward and that they don't spend a lot of time talking about his pain, but instead showing substantive, substantive conversations with these fabulous older women. Mm -hmm. They've got, all of them have had a life experience behind them. Wouldn't it be great to have them 
be talking about things other than how devastated he was when his wife died. Well, Mary, at the same time, you take issue with the age gap between Gary and some of the women. He's 72. The youngest woman is 60. Why is that troubling for you? Well, I don't know if I take um, issue. I just think it was interesting that 60 was the most common age of the women who are part of the group. And I also thought it was funny that, like, you know, Jimmy Kimmel's aunt showed up and it was kind of almost like a joke. She just wanted to meet Gary in the first episode. And everybody's like, oh, this is so funny because she's 84 or 83. And the age gap between her and Gary is no larger than between Gary and the youngest contestants. So I'm kind of like, that seems like a double standard to me. And also Aunt Chippy is fabulous. And if he had any sense at all, he would have totally given her a rose. But I don't think she actually wanted to stick around. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, there are many positives about this, but, you know, to have high expectations that this is going to be different from regular Bachelor episodes, I think for me, we're pretty much dashed by the first, by the premiere, because it's exactly like The Bachelor. I mean, you know, the women all come in the limousine. They're all like, oh, he's so cute, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, as if, you know, as if somebody over 60 is going to get all excited about somebody that they have not met and that they haven't even talked to and that they're going to be all breathless about that. You know, I mean, it, it's not a great look in a 27-year-old. <laughs> it's certainly not a great look in somebody who's had a welter of experience dating and being married and being in long-term relationships. It's like that's not how real intimacy works. Laura, briefly, you want to jump in here? Well, I was going to say I agree it's not how real intimacy works. However, I think a lot of us who have become single at older ages – we do act like we're teenagers again in many cases. So I do think that rang true. These women are excited. They're, um, you know, that now, of course, they're also on TV. But I do think these women are very excited. And they do think he's cute, like a like they were teenagers again. Mm-hmm. So uh, to me, that rang true. Lauren, you teach a class about aging and intimate relationships where you asked students to watch the show. What were some of their reactions? Um, yeah, so I teach an adult development and aging class, and we talked about it. And I said, you know, watch it if you can. Let's see what you think. Um, and a little bit to the, some of the points that were made, a number of students commented that they thought it was adorable, that it was very sweet, it was very cute. Um, but I must say, I was I was a little surprised to know how many 18 to 22-year-olds were really interested in watching the show. Some hadn't watched yet, but were planning to catch up later. Um, one of my students was having a watch party at her apartment and was emailing me her live reactions to things. So I think one of the surprising elements for me was that young adults are also very interested in this. And maybe to some of the point, maybe a little bit watching animals in a zoo kind of situation. Um, but I think... Ultimately, I'm hoping that it's breaking down some of these stereotypes that older adults are not interested in dating or the concept of the asexual adult or, you know, not partnering, not looking for love again. But we're seeing a lot of of older adults in that spot, being single, looking for love and trying something new. Um, And I think that's what some of the younger adults are responding to. They're really curious to see what this is like through the course of life, um, how this is similar to their own experiences. And I think so far they are seeing some similarities that, you know, it is exciting to meet somebody new. um, And so I think they're really looking forward to seeing how that goes. Well, a few of your students said they didn't want to see older adults kissing on screen. And anybody who watched The Bas- <laughs> yes. Bachelor, sorry, there's going to be a lot of kissing on screen. But where does the discomfort about older adults expressing their sexuality come from? What's at the root of that? 
Yeah, they couldn't name it. Um, I tried to push back a little bit and say, you know, why are you uncomfortable? Is this different from the regular bachelor? Were you uncomfortable when they were kissing then? And they couldn't quite name it. I think they just, they like the idea that their grandparents are asexual people um, and they don't love the idea that that continues through life. Um, it just didn't quite sit well with them. They they acknowledged that it, um, it wasn't the best look for them, <laughs> that it is okay to be making out just like anybody else might be. Um, but it just kind of didn't, it just kind of gave them the ick, as they might say these days. Well, we've got more on The Golden Bachelor coming up with our guests and with you after a short break. This message comes from NPR sponsor Shopify, the global commerce platform that helps you sell and show up exactly the way you want to. Customize your online store to your style. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Lisa. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Visit lisa.com to learn more. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com. This message comes from NPR sponsor Made in Cookware. Did you know that many popular dishes in Tom Colicchio's craft restaurant are made in Made in Cookware? Their carbon steel cookware combines the best of cast iron and stainless clad, gets super hot, and is tough enough for grills or open flames. Remember what great dishes on menus worldwide have in common. They're made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from the 18th until the 27th. Visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. On this week's Wild Card, we talk with Issa Rae about those moments where our lives could have gone another direction. Definitely wasn't supposed to be with that guy at all. At all. But I still think about it. I'm Rachel Martin. Issa Rae tells us how to make peace with the path not taken. That's on the Wild Card podcast from NPR, the game where cards control the conversation. Let's get back to the conversation with some messages from you. Kirsten emails, I'm in my 30s and I am a fan of The Bachelor. After watching The Golden Bachelor, I am completely sold. The story of his late wife was so heartbreaking, but it made me want to root for him more. Also, I hope the first lady out of the limo in the gold dress will be the first golden bachelorette. We also heard from Susan, who shares, 54 years ago, I left a high school boyfriend standing in my parents' driveway and chose a college man. It was a beautiful marriage. My husband passed away a little over two years ago at 71. Recently, I found that first boyfriend I left standing, and we are ready to pick up where we left off. I never thought I'd get a second chance, but this could be it. I'm a very he- I'm very healthy at 72 and ready to start a new romance. Well, Susan, good luck. Mary, you recently wrote a piece about turning 60 in the LA Times. It's called 60 Isn't the New 40, and that's fine by me. What did you want to say about turning 60 when you wrote this? Well, I mean, I wrote about 60 because people kept asking me, like, how do you feel? How do you feel? How do you feel? And I'm like, well, I feel exactly the same as I did a week ago or a month ago or a year ago. Um, And also, you know, if I'm honest, I think, you know, my columns veer from the political to the personal. And I've written a lot about my personal life. And I wrote about, you know, my 25th wedding anniversary and, you know, my kids. and And there was a part of me that was... People were asking me that, and under normal circumstances, I would totally be like, okay, that's my column. 
And I noticed I was a tiny bit reluctant to write about it, to like own being 60. And then that pissed me off. And so I'm like, okay, I'm totally writing this. Um, Yeah. And it's just kind of like, you know, for me, you know, it feels, I feel better physically than I ever, you know, have in years. I mean, I don't get menstrual cramps. I'm over the hot flashes. I actually feel like, you know, like I haven't felt this good since I was 10 or something, you know, where your body isn't like suddenly sabotaging you with some, you know, sort of hormonal situation. And so it's, you know, I, I think that I too have a lot of um, uh, friends who are slightly or a lot older than me. And I think that 60 can be very freeing. I, I think about, I don't know if any of you guys watch Fleabag, but there was like this great moment where Kristen Scott Thomas delivers this monologue about menopause and like it's terrible and then it's wonderful because you're just done. And I think that that's, you know, something, you know, I mean, to what everybody has been saying, it's like women are portrayed, you know, with youth being the the number one, you know, uh, desirable characteristic. And that is very much tied to childbearing. It's like, you know, you are valued to the society as long as you can propagate the society. And it's like, that's complete crap nowadays because, um, you know, a lot of women are choosing not to have children, even if they're married, even if they're in long-term relationships. And and a lot of women are choosing to have children, even if they're not in long-term relationships. Well, Amy writes, my husband and I met two years ago at a coffee shop. He was 71 and I was 57. We married a year later. I've never been so passionately and deeply in love. As mature adults, our communication is fantastic and I have a deep love that I've never felt before. We also heard from Joseph who emails, while listening to this broadcast, I thought back to my late in life love. I married the first time in my 20s and then divorced at 50. I met my second wife at 52 and married her at 54. We're both the same age and it's been a blast since she said, I do. Did we run around like a 20-something? Nope. But then again, we are more mature. My second chance at love is the best chance that I've ever had. Oh, that's nice. But Laura, I mean, I think as, as someone who was a sneeze away from 50 herself, <laughs> um, albeit married, it, it feels like as we get older, we do go through this time of sort of reevaluating. What do we know about what's happening in our lives before we hit 60, like when, right around that 50-year mark? Yes. Um, I was going to say, uh, dating while gray, I use the word gray to refer to people 50 and older because the whole gray divorce phenomenon, that's what they were looking at is long-term marriages and that typically was people 50 and older. And sometimes I feel like people in the 50 to 64 age bracket get kind of left behind when we're talking about dating as single older people. Because once we hit... 70, early 70s, it feels like it's maybe safer to talk about those kind of romances as, um, you know, like a sweet and oh, Mm -hmm. but there are so many, you know, vibrant, loving people 50 to 64. And the um, number of men and women who are uncoupled at that age group are about the same. It's 27% of men and 29% for women, um, according to the Pew study that you cited. So wouldn't it be great if the Golden Bachelor did something like that, 55 to 65 or 50 to 64, and bring some younger people in, not that there's anything wrong with the current cast, but just show us in all our glory. Of all ages. Mm -hmm. Lauren, as we've mentioned, so-called gray divorce has tripled in the past three decades. What are some of the unique challenges older adults face in their their dating lives? For instance, we got this message that says, I'm a widower of a few years. I found online dating apps intimidating. I eventually went on them after a younger friend of mine helped, and I just ended up meeting someone I already knew. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, it's 
One of the big issues um, a lot of older adults tell me is they don't know how to date or they're not confident in knowing how to date today. And so they're mixing a lot of, or starting from a, a position of more traditional dating norms, dating scripts, and pulling that into dating and wondering, am I doing this right? How are other people doing it? A lot of older adults who are single don't know many single older adults or single older adults who are interested in dating like they are. And so they're finding they don't have people to talk to about it. They don't have a lot of role models to follow. One of the things we're talking about is we're not seeing it on TV. We're not seeing it in movies. And so people don't know how to go about it, how to get started. One of the things that you brought up earlier is the issue of the gender ratio gap, that there just are so many more single men than there are single women. And so single women in particular are having a hard time finding single men. <laughs> just where are they? Um, a lot of the people I've talked to, um, you know, they keep looking. And so they're trying online dating. And part of that is re- asking for help. Finding somebody they know that has tried. And I think you flipped it. There are more single women than single men. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Yes, yes, there are far more single women. <laughs> Pardon me. We're discussing yes. dating over 60 and the representation of mature love in TV and film. Coming up, what shows get it right? And what are we still getting wrong about getting older? That's after the break. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Arctic Wolf. Their researchers have released the Arctic Wolf Lab's 2024 Threat Report. Why will 2024 be a volatile year for cybersecurity? Learn more and get your copy now at arcticwolf.com NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor KeyBank. At KeyBank, they believe in delivering for their clients. Whatever the economic turn, KeyBank is primed to collaborate and help create solutions tailored to your ideas and your vision. With nearly 200 years of banking experience, they know a lot about being a trusted advisor. And whether you're managing growth, seeking solutions, or improving your bottom line, KeyBank is ready to be yours. KeyBank opens doors. Learn more at key.com advisor. Getting back to weighing in on The Golden Bachelor, here's what some of you had to say. This is Linda, and I'm calling you from Bentonville, Arkansas, about The uh, Golden Bachelor. I'm 65 years old. I'm disappointed that the women, although several of them are older, it appears to me that most of them have had considerable work or else there's a really good makeup artist on that show. The plus side is older women on TV, awesome. The downside is why can't we look how we really look in real life? Linda, thanks for that message. We also heard from Mary who writes, let's talk about how The Golden Bachelor normalizes an unrealistic beauty standard for older women. The body positivity movement has been making inroads in deconstructing the social pressures that fuel eating disorders. But now we have a new cultural phenomenon that will increase pressure to diet, get liposuction and have a facelift until you die. Laura, what's your your response to that? I have such mixed feelings. I've heard from a lot of women who have said, oh, you know, these women don't look like my friends or these don't look like. And if you will look at it, look at them, most of them are very active. And when we're active, I think we project that – I hate to use the term youthful because youthful implies that that's the ideal. But these women are – Active And there's only one woman in the cast, April, who's not my favorite because she is the only one saying, I hate aging. Aging is so horrible. And so I would say we don't know how much work these women have or have not done. But I feel like there's just a natural beauty that projects from them. I would also say 
I play pickleball. I've seen plenty of women who are as beautiful, or if not more beautiful, if we're just talking about physical looks, as the this cast. So I would like to, um, I would like to think that we're not thinking that they these women are outliers. Now, of course, they've picked you know the best looking women or the most. Uh, TV-worthy women, I guess, but I don't feel like they're outliers. Mary, what about you? Well, it's The Bachelor. I mean, you could you could accuse the regular show of that as well. I mean, they do tend to pick, you know, thin, fit, um, big white teeth, uh, you know, beautiful people because it's television. But I do agree that that is a problem if you're going to hold yourself up as some sort of groundbreaking show you know, normalizing, normalizing like it needs to be normalized, you know, love and romance between people who are older than the regular cast. It would have been nice to have a little more body diversity, uh, a little more appearance diversity, but it's The Bachelor. I, I don't know what to say. I mean, there's only so much they're going to do. I do think it's worth mentioning that, you know, they didn't, this isn't a regular bachelor. They called it the golden bachelor. And to me, that almost, you know, that says a lot. It's like they weren't ready to just go, okay, here's a normal season of The Bachelor, mm. but this time people are older. It's like they have to make a big production of it. And there definitely is like that sort of, you know, what other people were saying, that sort of, oh, cute. You know, it's, there's very, you know, a patronizing kind of yeah. attitude among some of the reactions. Well, that echoes a message we got from Mary who writes, I'm a staunch anti-ageist woman. I'm put off by the sweetness factor of the Golden Bachelor. They seem intent upon keeping it sanitized instead of looking at normal people meeting others for growing relationships. Lauren, you interviewed 100 single adults between the ages of 60 and 83 for your PhD dissertation on mature dating. When you were beginning your research, there wasn't much out there about older adults and dating. Why is it such an under-researched area of study? I think part of it is that we just don't think of older adults as being interested in dating. We think of um, young adults, people in their late teens, 20s, maybe their early 30s, partnering to get married, to have children. And when you're in your 60s and 70s, having children really isn't the thing that you're you're in the game for. And so we kind of write these people off, right? We have a lot of stereotypes about older adults being, um, you know, one of the Golden Bachelor women came out with her hair kind of in curlers. She had the walker. She was, you know, in a dressing gown. And that's how we think of older adults. And so we don't see a lot of representation. We don't see um, a lot of examples of active um, people, active people in their later adult years looking for love, trying again. Um, We think of them as just, you know, I had that one love, I'm done, I'm good. Now it's time for me to be a grandma and raise my kids. And we don't like to think of them as having their own personal lives and, and having sort of a second adulthood or a second shot at love later in life. What did you find in your research? Oh, so many things. <laughs> um, I will say one, one of the great things is that older adults don't get a chance to talk about it. And so I had long, long conversations with older adults because nobody had asked them. So one of the big findings um, was the impact of care work on relationships. Mm. And so a lot of older men were saying that they did not want a woman who was deep in her care work. She, they didn't want somebody who lived with her adult children, who took care of her grandchildren a couple days a week. They wanted a partner who could get up and go and put them first. A lot of men said, I don't want to be second to your grandchildren, so I want to know that I'm going to be first. I don't want a woman who's doing all of that care work. In response, women said, you know, I would love a man who takes care of his grandchildren. That shows commitment. That shows caring. I would love a man to that um, is that sensitive and that supportive. Rose emails, I was widowed 12 years ago. It took me a long time to 
to want to try again. I've had two pretty bad dating experiences, but I haven't given up. I've run across some good folks along the way, which didn't work out for reasons that are often unique to older folks, like financial incompatibility or too much drama with their kids. I had a great 20-year marriage. Maybe that's all I get, and I'm thankful, but I'm going to keep trying. And Rebecca emails, this makes me think about a conversation I had with my aunt. About a decade ago, she had decided to try a dating app. She was around 70 at the time and was talking about how almost every man she talked to wasn't really looking for a partner. They were looking for someone to take care of them. She ended up just giving up on it and is still single now. Lauren, in your research, what did you find about the conversations older adults are having when they're dating and how they differ from conversations 20 or 30-year-olds may be having? Yeah, so one of the things that comes up is a little bit of what Laura was talking about is sort of the seriousness of things, right? So do I want to get married? Is that something I'm interested in? Do I want to live with a partner? Maybe a living apart together where you're in a committed relationship, but you don't share a home. And so one of the big things that came up is what kind of relationship am I seeking here? And so sometimes they would talk to, about that with someone they were on a date with and sometimes not. But we were seeing, I did see a variety of interests here. Men do skew a little bit more towards being interested in marriage. Women do skew toward a, a little bit more toward living apart together or cohabiting, but that seemed to be the big hitch there, right? So rather than talking about having children or things like that, we were talking about how do we want to live? What kind of relationship are we looking for? Well, let's turn back to the portrayal of mature love on screen. We got this message from Decola who says, I'm 54 and I love, love, love matchmaking shows. My favorite on Netflix is Love is Blind. I think it would be fantastic if there was an over 65 version. Mayor, you may not be the biggest fan of The Golden Bachelor, but there's one show you think gets mature love right. When I was a girl, whenever I lost a tooth, my mom would take me out on the Mississippi River on the ferry boat. And when we got underneath a bridge, we'd throw the tooth overboard and make a wish. The tooth fairy can swim? It's... Tooth fairy... Tooth fairy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I know, it's really corny. Oh, I, I'm a big fan of corny. That's Meryl Streep and Martin Short on Hulu's TV series, Only Murders in the Building. Both Streep and Short are in their 70s, and we should know for Streep's character might also be a murderer in this series. We don't know yet, but for today's conversation, that's beside the point. Mary, what does this portrayal of mature love get right? Well, I just think it's it I mean, first of all, like hands down, they're the cutest television couple, and I use the word cute would and and we've been talking about how patronizing that is. But they're the most interesting couple on TV uh, this season. And I think what to me, what was so striking about it is it's a totally organic relationship. There's none of this like, oh, I don't expect this at my age. And you have a character in the Demi Lovato character who is very snarky, who could easily be, you know, brought in to go like, oh my God, you guys, get a room, you know. <laughs> and they don't do that. You know, it's just very accepted by everybody in in the cast or in the all the characters. It's just like something that happens and people think that it's good for uh, for the Martin Short character to be, you know, kind of settling down. And it's just, you know, perceived as any other romance would be, as a romance between 20-somethings or 30-somethings or 40-somethings. And I think that that's really beautiful. I mean, obviously, you know, Meryl Streep and Martin Short are amazing and, uh, you know, but it's it's definitely sets a template, which is just like, this is just something that happened. Like, it happens to characters of all ages on television shows and in films every day. 
And you said Demi Lovato, but I think that is Selena Gomez who plays the character. Oh, Selena Gomez. Sorry, sorry, sorry. (laughs) Let's get to one more email from Kay. After my husband died last year, a widower friend reached out with coffee and some words of support and comfort. Neither of us were looking for romance. And quite to our surprise, we are gobsmacked to find ourselves now in love. We're thrilled that our lives are enriched by each other in a way we couldn't have imagined when we were young. In fact, we are delighted that this second chapter is far less stressed than the first time around in our 20s when we were navigating the search for life partners. Laura, how optimistic are you that The Golden Bachelor is the beginning of a greater range of shows about love later in life than just a brief detour from from stories that focus on young love? Oh, I would hope. I'm not sure how. I, I, I don't think optimistic is the right word. Well, <laughs> I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful. Mm-hmm. I think the key thing is for producers of any of these shows to bring in older people as consultants to help them figure out what what do we want to see, what's going to go over, and just what won't translate. Yeah. We have just about 30 seconds here. So just in a quick round robin in one sentence, what's your dream dating show featuring romance between older adults. Lauren, you have this look of panic on your face, so I will come to you first, Laura. Um, it's it's going to be called Committed at First Sight. It's like Married at First Sight, but it's Committed at First Sight. Oh, I like that. Yes. Mary, what about for you? Any ideas? I would just like to see The Golden Bachelor have the the women and the man act like they have been in relationships before. <laughs> like, and start asking some of the questions like you actually would ask of, you know, of a potential mate instead of the conversations that the typical people have. Okay, Lauren, coming to you. I watched them all. This was a really hard question. I'm going to go with Bachelor in Paradise, where we see equal numbers of men and women on an island all at the same time. All right. That's Lauren Harris. She's an assistant professor of human development and family studies at the University of New Hampshire. Also with us today, Mary McNamara. She's a culture columnist and critic for the LA Times. And Laura Stasi. She's the host of the podcast Dating While Gray. She's also the co-host of The Wave's Golden Bachelor Recap Podcast from Slate. New episodes drop every Friday and you can listen wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to you all. Today's show was produced by Haley Blassingame and edited by Matthew Simonson. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening. And let's talk again tomorrow. This is 1A. This message is brought to you by NPR sponsor, Progressive Insurance. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options within your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Capella University. With Capella's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Humans are kind of overrated. Over on Shortwave, a science podcast, we're only kind of kidding. We're bringing you the wondrous world of animal science to your daily life. From queer animal love stories to songbird memories, we're showing you how critter knowledge informs human science. 
Listen now to Shortwave, a podcast from NPR.